Well, as some of you know, um, I've been gone for a while. Uh, I've been gone for about five weeks, and I've been involved in a very special time of training as a, as a young priest, and it's called Shuso. And this often happens um, as one continues to practice as a priest, that one's teacher invites you to enter Shuso, which means that you you are made, a space is made for you to enter into Sangha life and function in more leadership roles to um, be the head student for a practice period. So my uh, root teacher is Roshi Diane Martin, Sojin Diane Martin from Udambara Zen Center in Evanston, Illinois and Indian Creek Hermitage in Ottawa. And she is my dear teacher of over 30 years. And she has also transmitted um, as the teacher of Reverend Val Szymanski at Bamboo in the Wind Sangha in Sunnyvale. So Reverend Val has been my kind of um, lineage uh, teacher here in California. And so she invited me to come and um, practice this Shuso experience at Bamboo in the Wind Bamboo and the Wind Sangha in Sunnyvale. So that's what I've been doing for the last five weeks. I've um, commuted there, and some weeks I'm there three days, some weeks I've been there five days. Uh, I've been um, just having an incredibly profound and rich experience. I've learned so much. I've, it's been very challenging. Um, I've had fun, um, and I've been sort of navigating in lots of different ways. I've been doshi two or three times a week, um, giving, uh, leading the practice intensive by studying the Song of the Jewel Mir Samadhi and engaging with ways to practice with the song. Um, the first evening was the opening ceremony, and it was suddenly... I was told the day before that I would be asked questions about the um, no grass koan. And it was like, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> don't know the questions. <laughs> Haven't looked at the koan in several years. Um, uh, but that was just my first challenge, I guess. And uh, I was surprised that it was really fun uh, to, to do that. So... Um, uh, so I've also had the opportunity to meet with most of the people in the Sangha on an individual basis and to have tea and conversations um, and uh, helped lead a half-day sit. And then the final ceremony was um, a whole-day sit with an Oriyoki meal and a closing ceremony uh, with a Dharma question part. So there were just a lot of different pieces participated in a Jukai ceremony, helped orient a new sewing teacher. So just a lot of different experiences, and uh, especially under the guidance of Reverend Val, who was just very generous in her making space, stepping back, but also mentoring me. So so here I am, and um, uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to say for sure. <laughs> um, there's so much about this experience that I don't feel like I have words for yet. And so um, um, I'm going to share what comes up. Uh, but since my return, which has been a little over a week now, I found myself in my sitting practice 
in very tumultuous waters. And I was thrown about for many days. Um, but then I remembered in the song of the Jewel Mirror Samadhi, it says, the meaning is not in the words, yet it responds to the inquiring impulse. And suddenly something started to shift because I began to realize, oh, I'm all caught up in wordedness about what happened. Um, quickly labeling thoughts and feelings, and uh, that was part of the tumultuousness. Uh, so the meaning is not in the words, but it responds to the inquiring impulse. So then the image of, some of you may be familiar with the Wheel of Life and Death, and this is sort of a pictorial representation of the, the links of suffering um, for us as we practice and understand ourselves. And the fourth link, according to the one I've studied, is the link of form and name. And it's a picture um, of a boat, and in the front of the boat are two, well, they're men, but two people. And then in the back of the boat is another person standing up with an oar um, down into the flowing water. And when you look at the two people in the front of the boat, they're, <clears throat> they look kind of passive and just kind of sitting there, and they're supposed to be name and form. So they're sort of caught in a kind of fixed view. And, but the oarsman is keeping the oar in the, in the water to steer the boat to stay in the tumultuous waters. So that image actually also calmed me down. Um, because even though the boat in the picture is about to go over the tumultuous flow of water, the oar is there and in helping us stand still and upright. So I suddenly felt that, oh, I'm okay. You know, I'm in tumultuous waters, but the oarsman is standing firm. Um, but it's interesting because at the same time, as I look at the picture, you can sort of feel the, I could feel the pull of name and form. Like I wanted to sort of figure it out, what's going on, and, and get over over the hub of the tumultuous waters. And so um, I think that's part of what happens for us, that when we get in something that's starting to open, that we don't know what it is, the ego wants to pull us away to figure it out. And so in a way, I felt like I had to like um, resist the pull. <laughs> that that was part of what I needed to do. Um, so, uh, uh, but it wasn't until uh, uh, several days later I was talking to a friend and suddenly I burst out saying, everything is shaken up. I'm dwelling in the shakeup. And these words felt different. They weren't conceptualizations. They weren't explanations. They were descriptions of exactly what it was like right now for me. Something's breaking up. And I'm being called to dwell in the breaking up. Um, so, um, so I want to invite us to remember, I'm inviting myself to remember, that the beginning of the Song of the Jewel Mirror says, the teaching of suchness 
has been intimately communicated by Buddhas and ancestors. Now we have it, so keep it well. Now we have it, so keep it well. Suchness. The Song of the Jewel Mir Samadhi is really a practice manual teaching us about the nature of suchness and how to even notice whether suchness is arising or not or what do we pay attention to to engage with suchness and suchness is the true nature of everything suchness is the source of all of the processes of life and death suchness is immutable it's beyond concepts and distinctions but it's alive when in the song we say communing with the source or communing with the source of aliveness with source of possibility and this aliveness comes in and interacts with our everyday life so dongshan our 38th ancestor is the supposed author of the song but i think there are different stories about that he i think he got it from somebody else but um but uh, suzuki paraphrases dongshan and says don't try to figure out who you are if you try to figure out who you are what you understand will be far away from you you will have just an image of yourself actually you are in the river i am not it or her or even myself but they actually are me and with warm hearted feeling this is you this is the heart of how suchness what suchness opens to us is this understanding that we are actually in the river and if we try to figure things out about who we are we're pulled away again from being in the flow of the river um, so I guess I want to say again that um I've just come to appreciate that um the best way to not be estranged from ourselves is to just sit in the flow of the river in the flow of the tumult without trying to figure anything out and in this dwelling and for me dwelling in the shake up um suchness can enter in so this is hard to do because already you know well what am i going to do next or what's going to happen tomorrow or maybe i'm thinking about something from yesterday uh it's very hard to just stay in our existential moment of presence um so I keep getting the image of being in a cocoon right now and I don't know how much of you know about what happens when a caterpillar is in a cocoon it actually all the structures of being a caterpillar break up and there's kind of a goo inside of the cocoon and then the butterfly forms itself by eating living off of the nutrients of the goo 
and then eventually becomes a butterfly. So it's sort of like it's a different understanding of the birthing process. Um, so in the middle of this um, time, when I have very few words, um, I want to just share some of the couplets of the jewel mirror that um, helped me during this time of uh, my Shuso and brought up um, an understanding of some of what was happening for me. And uh, maybe not all of you know the jewel mirror, but um, uh, at one point it says, it is like facing a jewel mirror. Form and image behold each other. You are not it. In truth, it is you. Form and image behold each other. It's saying suchness is like a jewel mirror, form and image beholding each other. Now, for a long time I had no clue about this, but I sort of have come to appreciate the word behold, form and image behold each other. And, and form and image would just be any encounter that we have in our life when we step out into the world where living in a particular form, we're noticing something that's happening, we're engaging with it. But oftentimes, we form our own um, concepts or beliefs or pictures of what we're seeing, and then that becomes it. Uh, but to behold, to me, um, sort of suggests, oh, there's a mutual encounter happening, and something's being exchanged, and something is is opening up, so we should be inquiring, we should wonder, um, you know, what what is the real meaning here? Uh, so often, really, what gets in our way is this fixed view we have, or this opinion, or um, this interpretation of something. Um, I was talking with somebody who was sharing a dream with me, and they were um, very upset about this dream, and they had were convinced that they knew what it meant. And it was really interesting to me because their interpretation of the dream was very upsetting to them, but they were sure this is what it meant. And so I kind of began to wonder with her, well, are you really sure that's what it, it's meant? You know, let's sort of wonder together a little bit. And then, all of a sudden, she remembered something that she had forgotten. That as she was unfolding her dream, she had an image of the new moon sliver appearing on the horizon, but that she could also see the outlines of the whole moon. And when she said this, she realized that her interpretation was wrong. <laughs> that actually, when she got to the image underneath the interpretation, she found that there was sort of a wholeness penetrating and breaking through. And this was like suchness coming in. Um, but she had to let go of the fixed view in order for the suchness to arise. Um, so I, um, one of the things that was challenging at first for me in going to Bamboo in the Wind is that their 
ways of chanting and their words for the chants are different and uh, the pace of the chants are different. And at first I had my fixed views, you know, like, well, why don't you do the Heart Sutra this way in my mind, I'm thinking. And, uh, uh, but the more I stopped and noticed that I was, you know, being a little arrogant actually, you know, to think this, um, I started to listen and the doan had this resonating voice and it was very um, rhythmic and slow, but, but very present. And I could feel underneath the new form, <laughs> the form I'm not used to, I could feel the sort of essence of the chant itself coming through. And then I could hear it with everybody chanting together. Um, that there was just a strong resonating that happened in the whole Sangha. Uh, so somehow it felt like the suchness came through again once I could let go of my fixed view. Um, and uh, it's subtle in a way, like we have to listen kind of in a different way maybe. Um, this this Sangha uh, has is made up of quite a diverse uh, group of people, and uh, um, I had the fortune to having individual meetings with each of them, and again, uh, I had to come up up against how different we are, you know, how different we even understand what our practice is, and, you know, how to listen and be aware of, you know, these implicit biases that I have that I didn't know I had because I was encountering somebody so different from me. And so this is another gift that I received, but something I'm still working on, because I think it's Ben Connolly that talks about expanding our empathic worlds, expanding our ability to be compassionate in many, many different worlds. And so this is one of my challenges in my soup, you know, in my breaking up uh, that I'm working on. And, you know, the other part of this uh, form and image beholding each other is that also, I think, in this beholding, maybe the forms start to break up, too. And, you know, Dogen talks about how, um, you know, you should request the teachings from trees and stones. You should seek the truth from rice fields and gardens. Once Indra honored a wild fox as his teacher, and sought the teachings from it, calling him great bodhisattva. It's like, you know, let's be surprised. Let's discover, you know, forms that we didn't know might be emanating suchness, communicating the Dharma. I have a um, 14-year-old granddaughter, and uh, I was sharing a little bit about this, about suchness and stuff like that, and she said, oh, my dog... I love my dog, but when I try to touch my dog, it sh- it shivers a little. And I realized, oh, this dog is really vulnerable. And then she thought, oh, maybe all humans are vulnerable too. This is my 13-year-old granddaughter, you know. So, you know, she became my teacher. Uh, and uh, so I told her, actually, I shared this... Um, a bamboo in the wind about my granddaughter and then I went and told her that I shared this and she said, oh, 
thank you for telling me that. <laughs> so you can sort of feel how, you know, the suchness went back and forth, actually. It wasn't just me to her or her to me. We were, it was resonating back and forth. So, um, so then uh, there's another part of the song that says, turning away and touching are both wrong. For it is like a massive fire. Turning away and touching are both wrong. For it is like a massive fire. And the fire, the it, is suchness. So what does that mean? Turning away. I thought, well, turning away could be turning into ideas about it, thoughts about it, what I'm going to do about it. But actually, if we turn away, we're kind of snuffing the fire out. We're dampening it down. We're trying to have it more under control. Um, On the other hand, touching is also wrong. So what's that? Not touching. So it seems like if we get too close to the fire, then, you know, It's more dangerous, but also it could be that when we get too close to the fire, um, out of our fear, out of our, you know, out of our greed, maybe, um, you know, we try to rely on our old habits, our old fixed views, our old karma patterns to handle things. So I began to feel like there's something about walking in a balance wheel where we're not turning away and we're not touching. And I, I had this feeling of kind of being on, on tiptoes or light, like sort of being light while we're in the tumultuous waters or while we're letting go of our thoughts and concerns. Um, there was a priest that I met at um, uh, Green Gulch Farm and she learned as Doshi that she would tiptoe to the altar, that that was the way to show respect to the Buddha. And so just this feeling of, of uh, you know, being in this balance wheel. And another thing that was uh, meaningful to me is um, Val spent a lot of time talking to me about what it means to be the doshi and how to... Um, Put the how to fold, unfold the zagu, how to lay the zagu out, and um, which is the the bowing mat. Uh, how to open doors when you have your priest robe on, and there was something really precious about this because I could feel the simplicity, the way that we can live in this world and kind of be, um, you know, not flurrying around with all kinds of stuff. Um, but I started to get perfectionistic about it. I tried too hard. You know, I made so many mistakes. And so here it is. Turning away and touching are both wrong. If I get into this perfectionistic mode, I'm, you know, I'm putting too many logs on the fire. <laughs> you know, there's no space. There's, um, But eventually, at least I have this feel of the naturalness of our lives. If we can practice in this way, in this sort of balance, allowing suchness to come into our lives, that 
that we can live in a kind of natural flow and trust ourselves. Um, we want to attend, but not get too focused. We want to be flexible and buoyant, open, let go. Uh, whatever comes, let it be. Uh, I'm offering this as a practice. I'm not, uh, it's not so easy, but it's, it's been wonderful to feel the possibility of, you know, walking our lives in this way, in this balanced way. Um, and then uh, the third couplet I just want to share with you is it says, this is about suchness. In its fineness, it fits into spacelessness. In its greatness, it is utterly beyond location. Another translation is, so minute, it enters where there is no gap. So vast, it transcends dimensions. And this is suchness. You know, and I think it's Dogen that talks about suchness coming in between the folds of our fingers. Suchness enters everywhere and is always there, arising, ready for us to meet with our uh, conditioned lives, our situations. Um, so uh, Dogen has this little saying. He says, "Bees taking nectar." from flowers do not damage the remaining fragrance. Nothing is depleted. This is the nature of suchness. It will always be there. There is always enough. What a jewel we're being offered. Um, So uh, this didn't happen all of the time, but... um, one of the other precious experiences for me was meeting individually with people who were practicing intensely with the song, and especially after I had given some guidance and a talk, and uh, something happened between us. It's like um, suchness carries us beyond our conditioned life. It carries us into something new and fresh that's being created in the moment. And sometimes it would be like magic that the jewel mirror would somehow speak in our conversation and and kind of move back and forth in terms of what we were discovering together. Uh, so this potential to move beyond our conditioned selves is also the promise of the gift of suchness. Um, Kao Shan, who I don't know who that is, uh, said, uh, speaking of the dragon... And the dragon is often uh, an image for enlightenment. Speaking of the dragon, um, Kaoshan says, there is no one in the whole world who has not heard the song of the dragon. And the monk said to Kaoshan, well, what kind of song is it? And Kaoshan says, I don't know, but all who hear it lose themselves. I don't know, but all who hear it lose themselves. Uh, This possibility of going beyond, uh, because suchness fits into spacelessness. It is grand and beyond limitation, and it moves us, meets us um, in our conditioned lives. Um, So it's like, as Agile Mirror says, the wooden man begins to sing, 
and the stone woman begins to dance. It's like, uh, you know, the possibilities are here to open in ways that we don't even imagine uh, if we just stay in this practice of um, the balance wheel of, as my teacher says, living or at the threshold. We're threshold dwellers where our ordinary lives and the possibility of suchness entering in or dancing right there at the pivot. Um, so I want to say, too, uh, one more thing. There are at least three places in the song where there's some mention about ask, inquire. No, it's not in the words. It responds to the inquiring impulse, relative and absolute interact. Um, uh, I'm not blocking on the last one. <laughs> uh, but so I began to really realize that, well, in some way, almost every moment could be a question. You know, like even when we say conditioned lives, you know, okay, well, hmm, what is my conditioned life right now? You know, ask that question freshly in the moment. Because when I think about it, if I were to answer that right away, I would just have my story to make up. Uh, or I have my list that I have in my head. So to sort of live questions moment to moment is a way of bringing us right into that place where, where the oarsman's <laughs> keeping us in the, in the flow of the water so that we can listen, you know, freshly to, to an answer. Um, so just to, to end, at the beginning, it says, I remember the teaching of suchness has been intimately communicated. Now you have it, keep it well. So now you have it, keep it well. How are you going to take care of such a teaching? Because it's something you can receive and it's something you can give, but it's not something you can take and hold on to. It lifts us up. It takes us forward. It takes us out into the world. Um, So those are my thoughts. (laughs) Hi, Barry. Hi. Hi. Um, it's really weird. <laughs> um, could you paraphrase what the grass koan is? I can't think of what of a grass koan and what your um, oh. take of it, if, if, briefly oh what gosh. your take on it is. I don't know if I can really do it justice. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the conundrum is, I think the... The teacher is sending the monks back after a practice period and said, go to where there's no grass for 10,000 miles. And then someone else says, well, just outside your door, there's grass. You know, so the, so the question is, well, what is, what is the grass and what is the conundrum? Um, uh, so 
I'll leave you with that conundrum. <laughs> Oscar? Um, thanks, Darlene. I was, uh, I'm, I'm really, really glad you had such a wonderful experience and for sharing it with us. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I recently had a, a cocoon-like experience mm-hmm. where I, uh, I really felt uh, quite dissolved and uh, uh, uncertain about what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and maybe I shared some of your experience. Uh, anyway, um, it seemed to me that I just uh, it, it it rose. It, it was presented to me. I just needed to uh, listen or be aware of my body. Mm-hmm. And um, and um, and faith arose in me that that um, the answers to my questions or to my confusion uh, would arise mm-hmm. um, in the nature of in the nature of things mm-hmm. um, and that and that uh, I could have faith in I could say my own unconscious uh, and my own unconscious really has no, as I think of it, no boundaries. Hmm. Uh, it's it's in constant, you know, dialogue, as it were, with everything else. Hmm. Uh, everything that I'm aware of, consciously and unconsciously. And uh, and, and that shifted uh, things for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it, it. So um, I guess I can relate <laughs> mm-hmm. to uh, a little bit to to what you're describing also, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's nice to hear mm-hmm. someone else's perspective mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. something similar. Yes. I mean, I I do feel that that there's a promise in this song. It's promising, you know that. Emergence, you know, you know, in the the waiting or the sitting with the dwelling with, not leaping into trying to explain everything or figure it all out. That that it's a it's a fertile time. Uh, that kind of sitting with, mm-hmm. but it's a promise. So there's a faith that I think. That's why I like to chant the jewel because it's it's really offering. You know, this these are truths about how suchness works. Uh, yeah, and then I find that that's true. Yeah. Thank you. The, the difficulty is, as you said, is that pull, in as I said, mm-hmm. that pull towards uh, the old habit of wanting to, uh, of believing, of of uh, trying to control mm-hmm. um, everything. Um, by exerting 
trying to be boss mm-hmm. of, of the world. Yeah, right. Uh, and um, instead of being and, and trying, trying to make it be me rather than allowing myself to be it. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah. seem really relaxed to me. Pardon me? You seem really relaxed. Oh. Like, um, I feel I feel the, uh, the the practice period. You know, oh, thank you. In your spirit tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, regarding though, uh, let's say uh, turning away and touching are both wrong. For yeah. it's like a massive fire. Yeah. What would you say uh, if I said? Uh, it can't be turned away from, mm. and it can't be touched, mm. and that's why it's wrong. Oh, mm-hmm. that's my question. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, yes. Um, what I forget the full phrase. It's like try as you will, you can't push the the old fox away. I mean, we may try to to do that. But it doesn't. It's it's a false. It's like a, de, a delusion that that can um, that we really can turn away. Or we really can, um, you know, touch. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, thank you for that added uh, meaning. Mm-hmm. But I think consciously we get caught in thinking we can. Or we think that's what's going to fix it if we do turn away. And so that's kind of the delusion that we get caught up in. And then we don't. And so this jewel is trying to help us see that so that we come back to the oarsman and stay in the stream and uh, bring our full awareness there. Um, well. That's that's good. I like that. Uh, and... Um, um, like I was thinking, uh, oh, I liked your statement. Uh, you know, we think that uh, turning away is is going to fix it. Yeah. And and then we also then we start practicing Zen, and we think touching it is going to fix it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, good point. Uh-huh. So yeah. that's why we have to have a reminder uh-huh. that neither turning away nor touching. Yeah. Right. Is going to fix it. That's right. Yeah. But there's something. Uh-huh. <laughs> still, there's something. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's still some relationship. Right, right. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. Everything is in relationship. It, that's just how it is, and that's also something that we can count on. <laughs> you know, what's happening between us is part of it. You know. What's going on inside me? There's a me talking to a me, or you know, there's a uh, you know an image and, and a thought about it. You know, there's all kinds of relational processes that are going on all the time, and that's where all the aliveness is. And if we're not aware, if we're not practicing with that sense of balance, you know, we'll we'll, we'll be stuck in the stuck. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know, Sarah's thinking about something, but. <laughs> I've always stumbled over suchness. It didn't make sense to me. And I'm reading, listening now to a book by um, Robin uh, Kimmer, who is a um, botanist, a, a restoration ecologist, and a Native American. Uh, uh, heritage, hmm. and she writes about suchness, and it just dawned on me that that is what she's writing about. Uh, it's this relationship that um, we humans are part of this massive natural world, mm -hmm. and we're only a very one tiny hmm. component species within yes. this natural world. And um, some of her lessons uh, now I, that I'm re reframing them in terms of, hmm. of suchness, there's one, uh, she's working on a restoration project. It was a, it's a super fun site. And this lake was just massively polluted in hmm. New York with the chemical plants, two or three different chemical plants hmm. that surrounded them and the sludge, you know. Hmm. And so the only thing that was growing there was this um, this weed. It was a huge monoculture. Mm. Um, and so she's talking about, you know, what's the relationship? How do you restore that relationship of suchness where the health mm. of the community is in the lake and mm. the health of the lake is, is necessary for the health of the people who mm. need its water mm. and its fish uh, and 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 mm. so she's talking about that restoration progress, and I was just thinking about there is no words. Um, mm. She says of of all the people, because she talks about mountains as people, fish as people, birds as people, of mm. all the people, mm. the one gift that we have as people is we have words. Mm. <laughs> so mm. our our words is to to give to give words and shape to what happened. And to let, as she's working on this restoration project, it's not going in and fixing it, you know, mm. because it's a big fire. Mm. <laughs> these, these chemicals are hot. Mm. Wow. Uh, but it's finding out what mm. will live there. Mm. What, and, and as some of the, the grasses start coming back, they're mm. starting to rebuild the soil mm. underneath the, the mm. lake and slowly changing mm. the poisons into rich humus that mm. can support other life. Mm. So that suchness mm -hmm. is in that inner relationship yeah. and listening to uh, mm. ourselves and, and seeing us ourselves as a very small piece mm. of, of the interaction. Mm. And the, the, in that interaction, there's only giving and only receiving because mm. It's you don't have what it has, and and you need what it has, mm -hmm. but you can mm -hmm. only you can't have it. It has to be given yeah. Yeah. to you. That yeah. so it's that that inner relationship that comes in mm -hmm. an ecological environment. Mm -hmm. But I thank you for making that connection to me yeah. because I was enjoying the book. Yes, but I wonderful. hadn't connected yeah. it to the whole concept of suchness. Yeah, right. And so. it's so delicate, right? I mean, you, well, you can't touch it. Well, yeah, and, and it. it has to be where the life is. It has to be given. Mm -hmm. You yeah. can't 
have it. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But thank you for making that connection. Well, thank you for making that connection. (laughs) Now we have that. (laughs) It's wonderful. (laughs) No? Thank you all for listening. Appreciate it.